0: Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 38th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Uh, how are you? <laughs> I couldn't, I mixed up the words good and great.
0: Well, and you must be doing really well then. We're keeping this in, so.
1: I hate that so much. <laughs> That was really dumb.
0: I know you're doing well because we were just talking about getting sushi,
1: yeah, we're doing a sushi night tomorrow, so looking forward to that uh it's very I, well it's not very warm outside but it's getting warm outside it's yeah. officially spring mm-hmm. in springfield
0: most most places in America it is spring, if not all officially, yeah, that's incredible, yeah um we're gonna move on to the news, okay. And we're going to just jump into it. Um, football news. Since we last spoke, Missouri had a pro day where scouts got to come watch players do drills and exercises.
1: Yeah, I think this is officially like Mizzou's best pro day ever. Like, Probably. So many players represented and so many uh, NFL teams were there. All of them? Uh, literally all of them uh, were there, I think most of them probably to see Drew Locke, but obviously there were some some other bigger names they wanted to check out as well.
0: you think the Chiefs were there to see Drew Locke?
1: <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I really have no idea. I mean, it, obviously that doesn't make any sense at all, but I suppose it's possible. <laughs> um, but I think, I feel like one guy that I heard a lot about that day that I really hadn't kind of forgot about was Demaria Crockett and mm-hmm. maybe it's because he wasn't at the combine, but so he had a little bit more to maybe show off than some of these other guys that were at the combine, but, uh, he did the, he did pretty really well in the 40. I think he ran unofficially like a four, four forty, and yeah. he is so massive. He's just so stout. Yeah. And I mean, I
0: saw a couple of pictures of him in like the super tight, um, like warm-up clothes yeah. and holy crap yeah he old. is the one of the most muscular people I know. ever. know <laughs> i
1: think i saw a picture of him like running the 40 like shirtless and like i don't know man yeah. he's, he's absolutely been in work. jacked
0: yeah. and he he started i mean as a freshman at missouri he was big yeah. very muscular oh yeah
1: yeah so that was cool to see him do well i think he did a, he had a pretty good vertical and Therese hall speaking of verticals teres hall had a almost a 40 inch vertical so um yeah, it was a good day for uh for some some guys and Drew Locke threw and seemingly did
0: really well. Emmanuel Hall uh did well as as well. As well as um, well. <laughs> but he just ran routes basically, right? Yeah. I think that's all he did.
1: Yeah, I don't think he did like bench press or anything like yeah. that.
0: So um, I saw where <laughs> a new I think it was Mel Kuyper's mock draft came out and has Drew Lock going thirteenth to the Dolphins. Really?
1: Yeah, uh I feel like the Dolphins did something
0: significant. Well, yeah, they uh, got rid of Tannehill. Okay, yeah, they that's what him. I was thinking. I was like, yeah. I feel like
1: they, they got rid of a quarterback or, so or I don't cut even somebody. know what
0: quarterbacks are on their roster.
1: I don't either, but I nobody's significant. So it looks right. like they're going to be drafting a quarterback for sure.
0: Yeah. Um. I also saw where I think it was Mel Kuyper again talking about how um, he thinks the front end, like the top draft picks at wide receiver are maybe – not as impressive as other years, but he thinks like rounds three through six are super strong, yeah. And um, that Emmanuel Hall will be in the front part of that.
1: Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, it feels like the trend in the last you know, five years, or maybe longer than that, is we're seeing a decline in skill guys getting drafted really highly. I think I, like running it's backs almost and like wide receivers are getting smarter. So, yeah, it's almost like teams are. Or just figuring out. Sometimes those wide receivers and running backs can be can be plug and play a little bit if you've got the right the right guys for your system. Right. Um, but I mean, yeah. Obviously, the defensive line is really deep this year, and those guys are obviously very important pieces of, of a team. So, um, yeah, this has been a fun draft season though, with with all the Mizzou guys, and it'll be really interesting to see where they where they go on draft day or days. But I think Mizzou's got a good chance to have five or six guys drafted potentially. It should mm-hmm. be awesome.
0: Anything else before we move on to the the biggest news of the week? I think that's it. So yeah, this is probably going to be like the title of this episode. Um, if you haven't heard, Jonte Porter re-injured his knee. I just broke the news to producer Cameron last night. And <laughs> I was like, did you hear about Jonte? What did you think I could like possibly be referring to when I said that?
1: Did I say something whenever?
0: I was just wondering if you had any idea. My
1: first thought was, surely he's not staying. Oh. (laughs) Well, you actually texted me a few nights ago, and I was with family or something, and I wasn't really looking at my phone much. And so I didn't know what you were—you just said, did you see the Jante news? And I hadn't. So I I went to Twitter, and I was— Thinking that he might have made a decision, hmm. either staying or not staying, but I that, wish was, that would have been. Obviously obviously what have I figured,
0: obviously, not what the news was. No, um, I think it was Alex Schiffer that sort of broke the news on Twitter that uh, he was able to confirm rumors that Jante had re-injured his surgically repaired knee. Um, there's still not. There haven't been really any details about it. It was, but the the main article that I read indicated that it wasn't directly during rehab mm-hmm. it was up it was just uh, ancillary activity
1: but i think it was on court wasn't it yeah that's yeah. what
0: the article said okay so who knows what that means so yeah i mean we could probably just assume that he was cleared for to maybe shoot around or something and yeah maybe took a weird turn or something but you never know
1: yeah, it's it is a, truly a bummer, and
0: it was back in October that he originally injured it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's been it's been a little while, and he's probably had some time to to uh, recover some. So um, it it just sucks that it happened to such a good kid like Jonte. I mean, obviously, such a likable guy and yeah. a hardworking kid, and um, just the whole family, man, it's so weird. It how is. How and both sisters, and now. Uh, both Michael and Jonte having injury trouble, so it is just bizarre um, how how plagued they
0: have been by injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been we're a little late on this news, but so there's already been many faint pieces and articles written about this. But um, there's been people talking about how this impacts Missouri, and that, that is interesting. Um, not about like whether Jonte will ever play for Missouri again, because honestly it doesn't really matter and I don't really care to entertain that at the moment. But what I think is interesting is whether he will stay on the team while he, if he has to have another surgery and rehab that, if he will stay on the team taking up a scholarship. um, I think that's worth thinking about because I could definitely see if he knows that he's probably not going to come back to Missouri they would probably be inclined to free up that scholarship however if he says that he wants to stay on the team and stay on scholarship I'm sure they will be happy to allow him to do that as long as he wants to recover
1: yeah I'm not sure this really changes much I mean he was already injured and seems like whenever he moved to Denver it kind of seemed like that was the the turning point. Like, he's no longer doing rehab with the team or anything. He's not really on the bench very much anymore.
0: He was still taking classes online just to retain his eligibility. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it seemed like that was kind of the point where we realized, okay, he's probably gone, and rightfully so. Um, I mean, he's got to go make his money when he can. And that seems to be maybe even more so the case now. It's, you know, it'll be really interesting to see how this affects his draft stock because I think it could really be a, a massive red flag
0: yeah I mean I, there's been a couple of other articles that interviewed some scouts and people that cover um, the NBA draft for a living and they kind of indicated that there's it won't change a whole lot from the NBA's point of view except that it's maybe just a little bit more of a financial risk I mean they were already taking a risk if they were drafting him this offseason um and just the fact that you won't know what you're getting for a little bit longer i think is what will probably i think any nba teams that were considering drafting him in the first round this season will would do the same next year Mm -hmm. um and I, i don't know it's just kind of weird that like the timeline of it is what makes it very strange i think because he was having that injury, like the original injury right before the season was supposed to start, he misses a full season and then has a full off season to sort of get back into some sort of basketball shape, um, to be able to show something to NBA teams. And now with this timeline moved back five months, it just makes it very awkward that he would be potentially if he rehabs you know and nothing else happens and everything goes perfectly for him he would be returning to basketball activities like uh, two-thirds of the way through next basketball season and then i don't know it's just it's just very strange to think about the timeline of everything and how it just shifts it back five months when it's really poor timing we just we kind of knew how everything was going to go after the original injury it was just like okay yeah let's sit out this year and go to the nba draft and it's just totally normal but the fact that he would have to sit out another full season of college ball and then probably still be rehabbing to some extent after going to the nba and then also probably being in the d league for some of that or the g league for some of that very strange
1: yeah yeah, there's a lot of unknown right now, for sure. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see where he does his rehab and how it affects his draft stock if he does leave and um, all that stuff. And I'm assuming, he, I think what the deadline to to uh, declare is April 21st, I believe. So he's got a little less than a month before he has to make a formal decision.
0: And then the decision to stay in the draft or true come back to school is about a month after that. True, yeah.
1: What um what are the chances you think that someone would still draft him? I mean, I'm sure someone would still
0: draft him, but in the first, in round, the first round, yeah. Um it would drafting him this year, I don't know, it would be it would be similar to the Nuggets drafting Michael. Just because depends on what teams they need. They drafted him knowing they drafted him knowing full well he probably is not gonna play for a full season. And I mean, a team drafting Jante at the end of the first would know without a shadow of a doubt that he's not playing for a full season. So um, I could definitely see, I mean, what chance would I give it? Maybe, maybe there's a quarter of the league that would be in a position to want a somewhat developmental player like him and then uh, another, and then chop that, Again, a team that would be willing to invest that kind of time in a guy. So you're maybe looking at three or four teams that would really consider it.
1: What are the chances he puts on a Mizzou uniform again? Like point. I mean zero five.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Probably five percent. Just less. like I, if like that that scenario would look like him missing again all of next season getting feedback from the draft that says in know two years in or three years in a row getting feedback saying you might you'd probably be on a two-way contract that i mean best case scenario you're on a two-way contract that would see you playing in the g league maybe one year's guaranteed maybe two um that would have to happen and then he would have to decide that he wants to try to improve his his draft stock back up to a mid first rounder or late lottery pick just for the
1: sake of discussion the other side of this argument probably like for the the really optimistic fans probably see this situation as maybe jante plays the second half of next year that's what i was comes back and (laughs) just because he's gonna be rehabbing anyway yeah so, like maybe to get he back and like playing. Just to get like, in playing shape and to show that he can still play. But oh. also risking. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I
0: mean. I, I guess. I still. But, I mean, that's still. I feel, feel like fetched. sitting out all of next season and then playing a full season at Mizzou is. I feel like that's actually more likely than oh, okay. playing a partial season next year. Really?
1: I actually. I feel like I did read somewhere that a second ACL tear to the same knee can take longer to repair and take longer to recover than the initial tear so i don't know how much that'll affect anything Mm. but
0: um, i'm just thinking like from a pure purely from a sports standpoint and like getting yourself back into playing shape just sitting out the full season and then having another off season I mean, as I'm not super familiar with ACL tears, so I don't know if there's a point where it just doesn't matter. Like there's, there's a point somewhere where you're ready and an extra off season of getting ready isn't going to help you anymore. So if that's the case, you as know. As far as the injury goes. As far as the injury goes. Yeah. If that's the case two-thirds of the way through next basketball season, then I totally get, you know, coming back and finishing the season. But um, it just seems like from a uneducated point of view just sitting out the full season and then having another off season yeah. to get ready
1: i don't, i just don't see any scenario where that is could happen where mm-hmm. he sits out the whole season and then comes back to mizzou again i just feel like that's like the least realistic thing just because i feel like he wants to take advantage of The draft, his draft prospect. I feel like one of the reasons why he's so highly sought after is because he's as talented as he is, like for for how young he is. Mm -hmm. It's impressive, and he. I feel like he needs to take advantage of his youth uh, for how talented and smart he is for how for how young he is. Um, But I mean, you never know. It's uh, we may not know for a long time what he's gonna do. That's so crazy though. Like, what if he doesn't reclassify to play with his brother, and then maybe tears his acl before he leaves high school comes to mizzou still and then actually gets to play a full season that's just like a big what if thing yeah
0: i mean he he did get to play one full season so i mean yeah so looking back do you think he regrets not leaving after his freshman year um probably not i mean maybe some part of him does, but he would probably never say it out loud. Just I feel because. Like he, oh, sorry, I interrupted. You. I mean, he's just seems like the type of guy that once he makes a decision, and like the people around him would be so supportive of that decision. They're not gonna. Nobody around him that actually cares about him is gonna be telling him, uh, "You made a bad choice. Oh, Should have sure. gone pro." Sure. So he's the only influence. The only people that are gonna be saying that kind of stuff are people on the internet. So
1: mm-hmm. I'm
0: sure he feels fine with his decision, even if because he was. I mean. You gotta assume when you're talking about these kind of hypotheticals. You yeah. assume that he gets injured again anyway. Yeah, it's really and,
1: it's really easy to run wild with hypotheticals. As someone who has also had a bad knee injury, I always think to myself, like, what if I just didn't walk in the gym that day? Right. Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Was I, it gonna happen I, anyway? Was it gonna happen yeah. anyway? Yeah. 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 Honestly, it's like a, it's an interesting hypothetical to uh, to think about. But um,
0: for the listeners, both uh, Kyle and producer Cameron have had ACL surgeries. That's what mine was. Like. Yeah, I didn't have ACL, but oh, okay. I had like
1: reconstructive knee surgery, um, <clears throat> But it, which is horrible, by the way. It's <laughs> Protect knee, your any, knees. Any knee injury is just awful. So if you have not experienced The rehab that either, is
0: just, yeah, it's terrible. It's I was reading actually about, you, you said, mentioned about people that tear it again. Yeah. And I was just kind of wondering like if that indicates some sort of you know, like a real like red flag as far as like this is just going to.
1: You have a problem that
0: happens that he has forever. Um, and I was reading that there's three big things that can influence whether somebody will re tear their ACL. And one of them is just their physical, um, like kind of like the way they move to some extent, the way they land, the way they turn just some people, just the way that they walk around and jump and run predisposes them a little bit to that. Um, and I think when you're nearly seven feet tall, you get some extra weight and too, you uh, just got, I mean that you're nothing. inclined to have some, maybe some weird movements yeah. that aren't the same as somebody who's like six, two or something. But, um, the other thing was just the surgery, the original surgery itself. Um, there's just reasons why maybe it didn't get done or some things didn't get done a certain way. And it was, you just don't know until you're so far along that it wasn't going to work. Um, but you would think that he would have the best of the best working on his knee, a yeah. uh, future NBA player. So, And then I can't remember, the third one was, it had something to do specifically with this. Oh, it was just your rehab, and I'm sure that's not an issue for him. He's rehabbing with some of the best facilities imaginable probably. But if he went outside of recommendations I was gonna and say, did something he shouldn't have. It would
1: be interesting to know if it came in normal Normal court activities, or if he was kind of like screwing around, or yeah, like obviously,
0: we'll probably never we'll know. Never yeah. yeah,
1: but it would be kind of interesting to know. Like, well, I also, happened. I'm sure we'd probably know this if it were true, but if it was like the actual like, replacement ACL that tore, or if it was like failure of how they replaced it, right? I'm sure if it was failure, we'd probably know that and
0: they'd be causing a big ruckus about it, but maybe yeah they may not know that I know the information they like, yet for mine they like screw it into your right like yeah and i know that you can like it's considered uh more uh what am i trying to say there's a better chance of you having a successful rebound from it if you use your own like a mm-hmm. uh, hamstring mm-hmm. or something yeah. and uh that's not but that doesn't always happen sometimes it's a somebody else's yeah that's ligament or something like that... a
1: cadaver ligament oh really oh, wow yeah.
0: oh forget that i said that no, <laughs> never mind uh, you'll be fine kyle <laughs> but uh probably like a lot of mizzou fans i was reading some articles about acl surgeries and re-injuries and one guy that came to mind can i
1: give Tate my acl <laughs> yeah like, like i literally Voluntary. googled that
0: so it's in my search history <laughs> One guy that did come to mind, though, was Harry Giles um, as far as having multiple knee surgeries, but he actually had both knees separately and now is uh, and that he was the number one player uh, in high school and then went to Duke and obviously didn't have the freshman season that everybody expected because of his second injury, but then went on to play uh, get drafted and he's now playing for the Sacramento Kings and um, not uh, at a superstar level, but he's on a nba roster he spent zero time in the g league so yeah well like i said that was two separate knees
1: wishing the best for jante uh wherever he decides to go or do um super talented guy really likable guy so wishing the best for him
0: yeah and he still will have a decision to make um regarding this year's nba draft so we will we'll see what he decides but yeah of course best of luck to him and hope that he gets healed up whether he comes back to mizzou or continues on to the nba we of course want him to have a long and successful career Uh, speaking of people that had a long career uh, jordan geist has been invited and accepted an invite to a national three-on-three tournament Uh, i think this started last season and um, cassius robertson actually competed in it last year i remember that it is a three-on-three tournament where um ncaa conferences are represented by four players from four players that just graduated just finished their senior season um, from that conference and they play for cash and they actually the Robertson exactly the winning teams get they bring out a duffel bag full of cash and hand it to (laughs) them that's (laughs) awesome and it's kind of like the anti-ncaa like these guys are graduated now they've used their eligibility so they're going to get paid immediately (laughs) for playing basketball wow So that will be, last year you were able, I think I streamed a couple games of it. I I, I know it. uh, Didn't Cassius Robertson's team, or the SEC, do pretty well? They did, yeah. They won Uh, multiple games. It was
1: like Yante Maiden or whatever his name was played.
0: Yep. I can't remember who else. I don't either. Um, But that will occur April 5th through the 7th. And it's, they have a Twitter account and you can find it. The Mizzou social media has been kind of, they made a few posts hyping up the fact that he was selected and will play in that. So we'll hopefully be able to watch it somehow.
1: So there's four four guys that were selected
0: yeah. by the conference? Uh, no. Okay. By the tournament. Oh. The tournament invites people, and they either accept or decline. Do they, does he know who his teammates are? I was trying to find that out, and I could not find it. And huh. the way this tournament, the way they've selected players in the past, I mean, if you look at Cassius Robertson, Yonte Maton. Um, it's guys who have graduated but are not likely to be nba draft picks so i thought it would be kind of interesting if we could i have one name off the top of my head but i was going to see if we could come up with maybe a decent three-on-three team out of recent sec graduates that are not likely to uh, be drafted seniors this year yeah
1: or is the name you're thinking of admiral schofield
0: Um, no, I kind of, I thought about him, but I kind of had them, maybe him a little higher up, like draft boards. Yeah. Yeah. He he might get drafted. Maybe get drafted and not, and be a little bit higher, uh, quality player than what this team could get or this tournament could get. I thought of, um, Chris Silva yeah from South Carolina. He seems like the perfect guy for something like this. Definitely. So
1: probably looking for another guard then.
0: Yeah. Um, i think quindary weatherspoon is maybe too good of a player i don't um, know but he he might be that type of guy i think he'd be pretty good for that role too um who was i looking at um uh, bigby williams from lsu is another big guy who graduated and probably won't get nba looks but would be really good in the three-on-three league Uh, yeah, I'm I mean trying if to like it was, go
1: through all the teams like okay, who are the seniors on this
0: Yeah, if it was like if they were able to get Quindary Weatherspoon and it was like Him Geist um, Chris, Chris Silva, Silva and Bigby Williams from LSU, that would be that'd be a good team. A pretty monstrous team. And I know a lot of the other teams in this little tournament are from mid-major conferences, so it's only players from that conference. Mm. And so I think that kind of, it seemed like that gave the SEC team last year a little leg up. They weren't, they had a little bit higher talent level than some of the other conferences. Yeah. I just want to point out
1: that we picked a, like, three-on-three three teams from Mizzou at the beginning of the basketball season. And uh, I had guys to my team, so. Oh,
0: wow. So I he think has experience that, playing three-on-three. Three yeah, so he's going to be. Hypothetical He's going to be matchup. good, Yeah. Let's get That's actually a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> I don't remember any other people on our teams were... I think I got Tillman with the first yeah, pick. Yeah, you did. I think my team was like Tillman, Torrance Watson, and Mitchell Smith, I think was my team. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah I think actually you're right. I think I had... Uh, I know I had Geist. And you had Mark Smith and Kevin Burtier.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That'd be an interesting matchup. Yeah. Because... Uh, <laughs> At one point in the season, your team pr- was looking terrible because yeah, Watson because wasn't Watson performing, hadn't emerged yet. And Mitchell Smith wasn't playing. No. Tillman couldn't stay on the field. He was in foul trouble. He a- <laughs> not stay in the field. Yeah. But not all those guys came around. Oh, yeah. By the end of the year.
0: Yeah, if you played this tournament in, like, the beginning of March, then my team would definitely win. <laughs> all right, enough three-on-three. Three. Um, topic that we don't talk about enough probably on this podcast but we just don't have enough time honestly because we can talk about the men's team for an hour and a half once a week is the women's team they uh, made the NCAA tournament obviously um won their first game against uh drake yeah barely yeah almost got upset against drake and then lost in the second round to iowa and of course the women's tournament gets the opening rounds get played at the higher seeds home court
1: yeah they had to play at iowa
0: which is annoying i would if i was a bigger fan of mizzou women i would hate the ncaa tournament probably unless yeah. missouri was a protected seed. I there's guess there's
1: got to be like other like gyms they can use or other facilities they can use well, it's I mean, just it's the just, fan interest yeah, is, exactly is the concern it i'm really sure.
0: ups the fan interest by getting to play on your home court obviously yeah. and that's the same reason the nit does that in yeah. the men's Men's NIT. nit
1: plays at uh, don't aren't some of the games at
0: Madison Square Garden? Yeah, the final final yeah, okay. I think the final four of that. Um, but obviously, uh, since they lost, that ends the career of uh, Sophie Cunningham, Lauren Aldrich, and Sierra Porter. So a pretty even though um, Lauren wasn't there for four years, that's still a pretty incredible senior class that's leaving. Obviously, Sophie Cunningham is going to go down as i mean as of right now she's the best mizzou women's basketball player ever yeah which is pretty crazy that we just we just got to see her play we literally just got to see the best mizzou women's player ever play for four years
1: yeah yeah she will be remembered forever uh for in mizzou basketball for sure
0: eventually she i'm sure she will have her uh jersey retired
1: 100% will have her her jersey in the rafters so uh unfortunately this tournament was just kind of a microcosm of her career you know obviously um a lot of talent and it seemed like they mizzou basketball or mizzou, mizzou women's team had some role players for sure and amber smith and some of these other names for sure they had talent and seemingly good coaching as well but just could not ever seem to make a run in the tournament and wasn't consistent during the seasons could beat anybody but also lose to anybody yeah, kind of thing every season yeah so i don't know i, I robin uh Penston gets a lot of praise uh as she probably should because she's bringing in a lot of talent but um <clears throat> probably would like to see uh some more postseason victories uh down the road for sure
0: yeah i know um they've got a really good recruiting class coming in with um haley frank from Stratford and um blackwell yeah i forget her first name from st louis yeah um but and i honestly think that duo if you surround those two with the same kind of role players that have been on these last three or four mizzou women's teams um i think they'll be better all all around teams i think so than we have seen the last couple years which is great because um i mean we're seeing a legendary senior class leave and potentially another legendary freshman class stepping right in
1: yeah it's uh Good timing for sure. Um, that we're having that big recruiting class come in because definitely some big names on the way out.
0: I remember reading about Sophie Cunningham before when she was a Mizzou commit, and of course, she went to Rockbridge High School there in Columbia, so already a kicker fan for favorite. the football team. She mm-hmm. was the kicker for the football team, and she was like part of the homecoming court, it's called, I think, right? Yeah, and she went out onto the field in her football pads for the homecoming ceremony and I you still see pictures of that float around on Twitter and stuff and also the fact that her Rockbridge team obviously she had Lindsay her sister there with her uh some for three of those seasons but who was very good in her own right but they won state all four seasons that Sophie was in high school in a class five that's crazy Missouri and I just remember hearing about that and being like okay Missouri's getting somebody here yeah I mean,
1: uh, I'm pretty sure Stratford has won the state championship uh, right. in their class, so I don't yeah. know what it is. Class three, I believe. Okay, yeah, I, they've won it every year. Haley Frankie's been there. Yeah. Is that her name? Yep. Did I say that right? Yeah. Okay. So, um, not saying she's the second coming of Sophie Cunningham because she's
0: won state four years in a row, but she's really she's good. certainly a very talented player. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, moving on back to the men's side of things. Um, there's at least one scholarship uh, left for this season. To be snatched up by somebody and uh there's been some grad transfer names kind of floating around um specifically there was actually a juco transfer that um just recently cut his list down to six and mizzou did not make the cut for him uh can you remind me his name i only remember sean mcneil yes i only remember sinclair college
1: and his twitter handle was like hot boy
0: yes it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was very dodged a bullet there. Oh,
1: yeah. So, yeah, I don't really know what happened with him. We, it seemed like we got involved and maybe we were really interested and then maybe we weren't and then we didn't make the cut. So I don't know if that was because we didn't want to make the cut or if we just weren't in his top six. I don't know. But I, I didn't really understand that whole thing. I don't know how much we talked about it on the podcast whenever we offered him, but I don't really understand the plan and i think we agreed to stop trying to figure out the plan because oh yeah because it's just i don't know like why we're going after guards but uh we are and still some of the grad transfers that i think we've been kind of rumored to be involved with some of them are guards yeah and i just whatever man
0: yeah when a few of those grad transfer names maybe solidify a little bit more or if any take visits or anything we'll probably pay more attention to that but because i mean it seems like this time of year, everybody's in on every grad transfer. True. Um, There's
1: a lot of talented guys out there. And obviously, Cassius Robertson was probably about best case scenario that yeah, you'll ever see as definitely. far as a grad transfer goes. But there are definitely a lot of guys out there that can help you.
0: But if you're looking for a name to keep track of, um, Kobe Brown, who, who we have talked about before on this podcast, is has reopened his uh, recruitment. He... I'm not—we're not exactly sure if he had to be let out of his letter of intent, which I, th- I think that's probably the case. I think he did. Um, because he committed to Texas A&M a little while back and um, has now decommitted from them, and Missouri was— Oh, because
1: their coach got fired. We forgot to— we... We forgot oh my gosh. Billy Kennedy was fired. Okay. Was
0: someone else on our list. We're going to talk about SEC coaching vacancies yeah, we'll get to soon. That. And I completely forgot about him.
1: <laughs> yeah. So Billy Kennedy gets fired. Kobe Brown gets uh, let out of his, his uh, letter of intent. He's back on the market. And it's pretty well believed that Missouri might have been his second choice uh, whenever he originally committed, like back in the fall or whenever he did that. Uh, he took a visit to Missouri, so obviously if you're getting an official visit, you're you're in the running. But he's um, a forward. I think he's probably six, seven, six, eight yep. forward, and a pretty athletic guy. He's maybe got a little baby fat. He, he might have to trim down a little bit, but um, obviously had a lot of high major programs coming after him, so he's a talented guy.
0: Uh, we talked about, like, a w- uh, little while back, Kyle, about how, sometimes our only way of comparing like how good a get somebody is for Missouri is what other offers they have. Yeah. And so if you could snag a guy that was signed to Texas A&M and a guy that they definitely wanted, I mean, they were, he was not going to decommit until there was a coaching change. So he was solidly a part of their program. So that's Texas A&M is the kind of school kind of program that if you can snatch a guy from them, that's that's good news
1: yeah Missouri kind of has to make a living especially in football Missouri has to make a living off of the guys who may not be high, super highly ranked so a lot of times they don't get analyzed as well as maybe some of the top players in the country do so I feel like a good indicator of, of maybe how good the prospect is is what their offers is and I don't know if there's so many recruits in football that it's so many guys get swept under the rug talented players so but yeah you're right that's a that's a usually the first thing i'll look at
0: so let me see here speaking of billy kennedy getting fired we now have one two three four sec basketball head coach positions that are vacant because if you haven't heard yet mike anderson is out at arkansas which i mean of these four i don't That's probably not the most surprising. I feel like there's, you could consider all four of these surprising to some extent. Yeah. Um, We'll, we can just start with Billy Kennedy. Okay. Since we already talked about that a little bit. But um, of course I didn't pull up his profile since I forgot about him. So let me grab that. He has been the coach at Texas A&M since 2012, the uh, 2011-2012 season. And they went to the NCAA tournament twice, um, both times making it to the Sweet 16, including last season when they kind of surprised a few people by making the Sweet 16 as a seven seed. Um, The worst season was actually his first season or this season, depending on how you look at it. Both uh, seasons only had 14 wins.
1: This is a trend that we will definitely see throughout the other coaches that were fired but more and more especially with how tough the SEC is right now I feel like we're seeing really short memory from fans and from administration of some of these schools I mean like you mentioned uh, they made the Sweet 16 last year yeah and it, I mean for Missouri to do that I feel like we would be praising Kanza Martin for like yeah. Build 10 years yeah, yeah exactly for making the Sweet 16 <laughs> they make the Sweet 16 last year and then he gets fired the following year for having a mediocre year seems Seems interesting, but I feel like you more could, and more you could
0: argue potentially worse than mediocre. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they were pretty bad this yeah. year.
1: they were just it didn't really seem like as not far only were as they, the SEC standings they're kind of like the anti-Mizzou in the way that they both teams were bad this year, but one team was playing hard through the whole year and one team was not. You never know what you're gonna get from a Right, it just didn't seem bought in. So I understand why he got fired, but it also. I don't know. It's uh, it's just the, the trend of, of having short memories. It's the trend of just seeming... See, it doesn't seem like guys last very long anywhere. No. Unless you're, you know, the extreme top percentage of coaching.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm thinking. Like, with the SEC in particular, like, if you aren't finishing in the, like, top five in the SEC, like, mm-hmm. are you on the hot seat? Like, I Tom
1: Crean was like, an example that comes to mind recently, like, oh, Indiana. Oh, yeah, from Indiana, yeah, yeah. it's just like, it's like the, the fans just get kind of tired of you. And you're just like, well, we well, think we can go get somebody better. So, like, you've been here five years, so
0: yeah. we're just kind of tired of seeing your face. I mean, I just, I'm not sure what... Yeah, I mean, if it is just getting a new face in there, I mean, I get that to some extent.
1: And that can help spark a program. Definitely. Like Conzo Martin, a great example of that.
0: But also, Kim Anderson was... <laughs> <laughs> Who? He was, uh, I'm trying to be nice. He was not as good a coach as any of the four we're about to talk about that just got fired <laughs> no, no! so i don't it wasn't just i think we might need a new guy no, that was air.
1: definitely that did not apply
0: but um i don't know it's just i kind of wonder what and i've thought this every time uh, all four of these firings i've thought who do they think they're gonna get that's better and but honestly i thought that last year with andy kennedy at ole miss i thought that um I've just thought that multiple times, where I'm just like, oh, I thought that with Georgia, I was like, who's yeah. gonna want to come in and and bring Georgia up as exactly. a basketball p- program? And they bring in Tom Green. And so, what
1: we've seen is, what I feel like, what in, in a way that we've never seen before is the SEC is is willing to spend money and for basketball. And even wh- five years ago or so, when when Missouri entered the SEC, I felt like basketball was not in the forefront of these these teams. You know, minds at all, but now everybody's got multi-million dollar coaches. You know, these big name coaches, and uh, teams are making changes when
0: I, I don't know. Can you imagine Missouri bringing in um, Kim Anderson like now, like with like? I feel like with we'd be pulling an oh uh, and nineteen like Vanderbilt. I mean, the market for coaches in the SEC has changed, like you just said, has changed so much since Missouri joined the SEC mm-hmm. that. I don't think he would even be considered for a second when you're looking at the other coaches that are now yeah, a good head point. coaches in the SEC. And
1: we, we do have a different administration as well. True. I just think Jim Stirk probably just. He, was, aim, he would have never considered him anywhere. Yeah. Then maybe Mike Alden did or whoever was here whenever Kim Anderson was hired. Right. Was it Mac Rhodes or Mike Mike Alden? I don't know. Somewhere around that line. Right. But was The Rhodes administration I think it, didn't last very long, I think so it's hard Alden. to remember. I'm pretty sure it was Mike Alden. but um, – Anyway, I th- yeah, I, th- I definitely don't think he would have been would have been considered if it was if it was now. No.
0: Um, so yeah, Mike Anderson out at Arkansas, and that one, I, I can't decide which which one of these I think is the most surprising, but. They all have their degree of surprisingness yeah, to them. Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, neither, none of these guys, I mean, outside of, well, I guess Rice Drew and Avery Johnson, neither one of those guys were there very long. Right. So that's part of the the uh, surprising part to me.
0: Yeah, Mike Anderson was there at Arkansas the same amount of time that um, Billy Kennedy was at A&M. So mm-hmm. they both uh, joined the SEC after um, their first season was the 11-12 season. Mm-hmm. Um, of course mike anderson spent the five years before that at missouri and took them to three tournament appearances in five years and won elite eight but at arkansas only went only had three tournament appearances in the whatever eight or nine seasons that he was there
1: yeah always seemed like he got pretty good talent seven seasons maybe um kind of inconsistent and during the season didn't didn't seem like they ever played it very well on the road um, and like you said, didn't really do a whole much in the in the postseason. But I'm not super surprised by that, especially with the like what we've been talking about, kind of the culture of college basketball. Just coaches not lasting very long, fans getting really really burnt out like really easily with with guys and, and having having talent. There's maybe nothing more disappointing than having a talented team and underperforming, and that's kind of what Arkansas did with Gafford coming back, like an all NCAA guy yeah. and just. You know they just had a really me- mediocre year.
0: It's got to be tough to get let go from your dream job, though. I mean, that was, I mean, he was an Arkansas graduate. He was an assistant there um, when they won a national championship under um, Nolan Richardson. So yeah, getting fired from your dream job. I mean, not, he'll he'll coach somewhere else, I'm sure. But I don't know. It, I, I feel like, whatever high major team maybe he goes mid-major and then if if another high major team lands him they should probably consider themselves lucky because he's not going to be leaving for arkansas again right and that was probably the only place he was leaving missouri for originally it's possible so i mean if he can if he can produce a little bit better than he did at arkansas he could he's probably going to stick around someplace for a really long time
1: yeah and i mean speaking of bad coaches at their dream jobs obviously cam anderson comes to mind again like somebody who is just terrible at their dream job and then gets fired from it it has to be so like i don't know backbreaking and and just going back a little bit what we were talking about earlier i kind of had an interesting thought like i feel like kim anderson was kind of the last maybe line of guys where almost like missouri made the example of this is why you have to pay for a good coach because we try to go the cheap route we try to go kind of organic get the maybe not an up-and-comer guy but maybe some a guy that doesn't have a lot of experience and maybe he's a good x and o's guy or whatever he
0: wasn't gonna get he was not gonna get another um high major offer right to be a head coach
1: right so maybe we go with the under the radar guy and, and if and he was he successful
0: up. at missouri he was never going to leave exactly
1: so i felt like missouri made the example like okay this is why you go get Conta martin or this is why you go get tom crean you you, right. you just you fork out the money and you go get the the better coach yeah. who has the d1 experience because i feel like ever since cam Anderson, there every sec school to make any coaching decisions has done that
0: right definitely
1: including missouri
0: yes um, a name that I've seen now kind of thrown around for both the Arkansas job and the A&M job is Kelvin Sampson, who is right now getting his team ready to play in the sweet 16 is Houston team.
1: Yeah. Houston's really, really good this year. And Kelvin Sampson's a good coach. He's, he's won a lot of different places. Uh, he apparently has a connection to the Arkansas AD. So I think that's one reason why he's been kind of connected to that job. But, um, I would be absolutely shocked if Kelvin Sampson is at Houston next year.
0: Yeah. And it'll be interesting because in the, I mean, we we've seen it already with Bruce Pearl as far as like he went from an sec job to an sec job and he left Tennessee on not bad terms with the fans. I think the fans would have kept him around forever. The fans loved him. But, um, I mean, he was in trouble with the NCAA. He had a, a show cause, um, where he basically was out of coaching for a while until that expired and um auburn basically had to put themselves on probation with the NCAA just to hire him and uh kelvin sampson has the reason i bring that up is because kelvin sampson went through that exact same thing um at indiana he only coached there two seasons and then had some scandals break out and then he resurfaced at houston and has turned them into a powerhouse yeah so the other two guys that we uh, wanted to mention were Bryce Drew and Avery Johnson. Um obviously Avery Johnson out at Alabama, Bryce Drew out at Vanderbilt. Man, I wonder what would have happened if Darius Garland was healthy all season.
1: Yeah, that oh man. I'm sure Bryce Drews wondering that too. That one which is is kind of interesting because Vanderbilt had one of the worst SEC seasons of any team like ever. Yeah. Uh but I think this might be the most surprising of any of the firings because Bryce Drews just he's a bright coach, you know. It's it was seemingly. I mean, and in any mostly every other season that he's been involved with somebody. Uh, this was just his
0: third season at Vanderbilt.
1: He's done a really good job. I think Vanderbilt has a new AD uh, within the last year or two. Maybe that. Maybe this uh, administration wants to show a little bit, um, show they care a little bit more about basketball. I think some in the past the Vanderbilt uh, administration definitely doesn't care about football. Um, <clears throat> but they've had a decent basketball program in the past, so. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like Bryce Drew was universally accepted as an up-and-comer in this business, so I think everybody was a little bit surprised to see him go. But also, on the other side of the coin, they're 0-19 in SEC play, and I can't really blame them for, I mean. No,
0: I mean, when, I mean, he still had, I mean, take away Darius Garland, that Vanderbilt recruiting class is still yeah in the top half of the SEC, mm-hmm. and they went 9-23 and and didn't win a conference game.
1: Yeah, that's tough to do.
0: Yeah. Um, Avery Johnson also only had three seasons at no, uh, sorry, four seasons at Alabama. Um, one tournament appearance there, um, which was just last season with, uh, Colin Sexton. And that was honestly, that hiring was for me. Looking back that hiring like starts the era of sec coaches or sec programs, like going all out for their basketball coach.
1: Going bigger names. Yeah.
0: So that, I don't know, it's just interesting because they um, fired Anthony Grant, who had a mediocre to decent career there, and then went and got Avery Johnson. It was like, oh, okay, they're tr- maybe trying to get more serious about basketball. And I think now it's come full circle where they're the ones now again that are saying, okay, uh, we thought we did something good and now everybody else has passed us up. And so we got to do it again.
1: Yep. Yeah, the, I mean, there's just so many, Alabama being one that definitely comes to mind, where football takes precedence in in their program, and the basketball program just hasn't meant a whole lot historically. And But right now, it does. It's an arms race right now with the SEC teams in basketball, just unlike at any yeah. other time.
0: Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what, what unfolds with these um, open positions. One name that I did see associated with the Vanderbilt job was – Johnny Dawkins of UCF, interesting. Who just got bounced from the NCAA tournament in one of the most heartbreaking ways imaginable uh, when they could not finish off their upset bid of Duke.
1: That was such a great game.
0: That actually was incredible. Yeah. Camera producer Cameron and I were talking about it yesterday too about how man it seemed like UCF had that game and there was like a is that
1: missed alley oop? Yeah, that in oh transition,
0: that like fast break alley oop that they couldn't get down that would have put them up six. And then also giving up an offensive rebound on, on a, a free, free throw. throw. I don't know. That yeah. should never happen. It and that really... was that was Aubrey Dawkins that didn't block out. Yeah. Um, he had like thirty something points. Yeah, didn't block out R.J. Barrett, and that's. I mean, you can argue that Barrett like pushed him, but also when you have position like that from yeah. a free throw, you can't allow yourself to be pushed off your spot. Yeah, I he mean, was
1: the one that missed the tip at the end too, wasn't yeah. he? Man. Yeah. What a terrible ending! Is he a senior? Yeah. I don't know. Is he? Oh yeah. wow! What a horrible way to end your career! Such <laughs> yeah. a good player too, but uh, yeah, that was that was painful to watch. And of course, the Zion play where he's driving in and it's yeah. kind of controversial. Some people thought it was an offensive foul. So right. a lot of things went Duke's way oh, at the end of that game, and things that were I was, controlled by the refs things that were not controlled yeah. by the refs. I was
0: definitely rooting for UCF, even though this Duke team is probably one that I've liked the most, maybe ever yeah since i knew who duke was yeah this is probably for me at least the most likable team they've had because it's so fun to watch Zion i play like Zion. i don't know and, how you couldn't and even for me rj barrett just he played in the tournament of champions so i have a soft spot for him yeah um and i got his autograph in springfield so um i don't know i kind of like this duke team but i was still obviously rooting for ucf also so that we could use the transitive property of basketball and say mizzou greater than ucf ucf greater than duke that would have been all over twitter yep um well um i had down here that we should talk about the first two rounds of the ncaa tournament a little bit yeah um obviously that was a huge game um was there anything else that stood out to you guys
1: well i mean one thing we talked about in our kind of preview of the tournament uh Last week was the top eight teams or so. The top two C, uh, all all the ones and twos, and then maybe some of the threes are really separated from the rest of the pack, and are really really good. And that proved to be incredibly accurate uh, in the first few games, the first two games of the of the tournament. Because I think all the one, two, and threes are are intact still, and in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, there's a lot gathering a lot of gathering our for our brackets rest. over here. Thank you. But, yeah, uh, all the ones, twos, threes, and I think two of the, of the fours are still in the tournament in the Sweet 16. So a lot of the big boys moved on.
0: Yeah, very, like I think you just said, Cameron, very chalky. Yeah. Um, but no Rock Jock because they're gone. No, <laughs> of course not. That was actually fantastic to watch. Yes. Um, Auburn destroyed them. I'm super excited to watch Auburn, North Auburn Carolina. Auburn
1: is so good right now.
0: Um there was um i have to make it i have a confession to make i was not i didn't have to work uh that first the thursday the very first day of the tournament and so i stayed home and watched a lot of basketball and i stumbled upon a live stream that was the guys over at barstool sports um, live streaming them watching the games that they were betting on (laughs) and it was incredibly entertaining um I'm not a big fan of the barstool president, uh, Dave Portnoy, but I feel like he's pretty annoying. And, um, but he placed a $30,000 bet on Yale to cover against LSU. And if you remember that Yale LSU game, it was very close at the end and even closer if you were only looking at the point spread. Mm -hmm. And so he lost that one because Yale couldn't cover. And then he lost another thirty. Thousand dollars. I think he he
1: actually picked he picked LSU. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right.
0: He to, picked LSU to cover against yes. Yale. Yeah, and,
1: and Yale just kept making all these crazy threes yes. at the end until like I keep inching closer. Even though the game was over and it was meaningless, but they just kept making threes. Right. And uh, yeah, that was hilarious. So, so they were they lost those that. guys were
0: losing their minds yes. on that live stream. So that was I had that up up on my phone, one game on my laptop, and a different game on my TV. So yeah, I was very entertained.
1: I uh, also had all of these windows open. That at work <laughs> nice <laughs> so uh, yeah Cameron made me aware of the barstool uh thing going on and i have to agree it was very
0: entertaining <laughs> um the sec had a really good first day um florida was really impressive beating nevada that was a pretty fun one um kentucky yeah. looked really good yeah
1: really good against abilene christian
0: <laughs> um their game against wofford was crazy because wofford has the um NCAA all-time leader for career three-pointers made and he went 0 for 12 from wow. three against Kentucky That's lucky. and it was a close game
1: yeah how is do we know if PJ Washington's gonna be able to come back I do not yeah there there was just not a lot of real like shocking upsets or anything there was I think
0: K-State and Wisconsin K-S- both yeah. losing yeah I mean either one of those the Oregon very... one wasn't According to Vegas, it wasn't an upset. No, it wasn't. I don't really understand that, but uh, they knew (laughs) something.
1: And UC Irvine was like a 30 win team. So I don't feel like either one of those upsets were very surprising. I feel like every year there's always at least one that's just like, wow, I never could have seen that coming. Uh, But that really wasn't the case this year.
0: Um, There there was a potential for a couple. Uh, Bradley had a really good game against uh, Michigan State. Oh, yeah, that one Um, was a fun uh, one. uh, Colgate played really well against Tennessee.
1: Isn't that a. uh, Toothpaste? Yeah, the
0: Colgate toothpaste. That's their, masco- that's Tennessee their mascot. Tennessee almost lost a toothpaste. <laughs> yes, and actually Virginia was down at halftime. Oh against yeah, against Gardner can you so Twitter loved that. Of course. Oh my
1: God, I was rooting against Virginia so hard.
0: It looks like it's still undecided whether PJ Washington will be back for the Sweet 16. Gotcha. That'd be a shame if they are if they lose with him not playing.
1: Yeah, I mean these next, really, I mean the last teams left in the tournament are all super talented. There's no, like, random 13 seeds that kind of, like, got lucky and ended up in the Sweet 16 or something, so uh, it is going to be some good basketball ahead of us for sure. I still feel like I don't really, like, m- most of my brackets that I did all the final four are kind of still intact, and I don't really feel like I'd repick anything
0: crazy. Have you lost have either of you lost an Elite A team from your... Not from the podcast bracket, no.
1: Um...
0: I lost Villanova. Nope. I, I, why I picked them, I have no idea. I but. have
1: not lost one.
0: So my Final Four is Duke, Gonzaga, Virginia, and Auburn. So I need Auburn to do work, and then the rest of the one seeds to win, and I'm good.
1: Yeah, you might be good on Auburn there. They're they're powering through everybody right now.
0: So let's look at the Missouri pod, Missouri Sports Podcast bracket group on ESPN Tournament Challenge. Um, we did get ten or so entries besides the three of us and right now a fellow with the name with the username of jkjmr6 shout out to jkjmr6 (laughs) uh, for being the leader right now with his bracket called wreck it ralph samson
1: we probably should have encouraged everyone to like Put their names as the title of the bracket or yeah, something. But I don't
0: know if we'll ever be able to track down J K J M R uh, yeah. six. it might be somebody wins, who just
1: entered through like our Twitter advertisement of the. We'll see what we can do. But we we will see. We're gonna check you down if you win, buddy. So. Uh,
0: but they're in the 99th percentile. We That's actually have very impressive two brackets in the 99th percentile in our group. Got some talented pickers. And they both uh, the person that is in the lead right now also has the most of available points that they can score but i was looking at their final four and the only one i have in common with them is duke so i need my other three final four picks to come through and then i might have a shot at getting back up there towards the top
1: wow that's gonna be great to watch yeah i'm gonna share duke too did you see
0: uh the tyler Beatty's in our (laughs) well we did say the uh the group motto is i love tyler Beatty," so i'm not shocked that he joined yeah Mm -hmm. although his his espn username is kd93 i don't know it's very fishy it's interesting
1: oh no that's weird
0: (laughs) (laughs) um in eighth place right now is Tard, so (laughs) i don't really know what that means but yeah, shout
1: out to bill our, our friend of the podcast bill uh not doing so hot right now but he's i mean you never know he's gonna make a he's gonna make a strong push i can feel it so yeah. so thanks for uh and that, also
0: shout out to gabby with the bracket where am i um sitting at a solid 10 percentile of all the uh, espn tournament challenge brackets
1: oh yeah and uh and matt thomas uh i know he listens to the podcast sometimes so he's uh not doing so hot either right now but you never know he's gonna i think he's gonna make a rebound as well yeah shout he's, out to anybody that actually winning, put their so, name on yeah all
0: right uh what what matchup are you looking forward to most of of what's left um, or for the for the sweet 16 matchups i don't
1: have them directly in front of me i can i can get pull them up really quick so i can give you an educated answer but i really am looking forward to auburn north carolina i think that's gonna oh, be yeah. a really really fun game because both those teams play super fast
0: so or could... if there's one that maybe a potential future like a uh, final four matchup that you want to see i um, think probably, virginia tennessee yeah in the elite eight would be a really cool matchup
1: duke and michigan state will probably yes definitely probably play each other
0: um that west region though maybe i'm 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 not too excited about that one i feel like texas tech michigan will be kind of a defensive struggle yeah and for some reason i know gonzaga has really good offense but for some reason i'm just not ever really excited to watch them yeah i actually have uh, except for when they had jonathan williams
1: i actually have florida state and texas tech in the elite eight so i actually don't even have the top two seeds in the region that'll probably not be
0: right but we can only hope
1: (laughs) (laughs) is oregon the best 12 seed ever Mm, no, probably not. I don't know. Didn't Mizzou make a run as a 12 seed a while like a while back? I can tell you. You can tell me. All right.
0: Um, I don't know what seed they were when. Uh, <laughs> I I almost just said, <laughs> I almost just said Brady Quinn instead of Quinn Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> you know when Brady Quinn <laughs> coached them to the uh, Elite Eight. They were a 12 seed. Kyle dominating his Mizzou history. When, what, what year was that? 2002.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. I felt like it was longer ago than that. They so were. Yeah. So Quinn Snyder would have been the coach. Yeah. yeah.
0: Or Brady Quinn. Or Brady Quinn. Yeah. Brady but Quinn well, Snyder.
1: They interchangeably kind of switched off. Yeah. Coaching but the yeah, team. Wow. Yeah.
0: They were the 12 seed and made it to the lead eight. So unless Oregon wins, then definitively they are not the best 12 seed <laughs> ever.
1: But we can. Yeah, Absolutely.
0: Well, I think that's all. That's about all the information I have for the folks. Yeah, that that does it for me. Uh, Producer we, Cameron, anything you want to say? We found uh, a way no. to.
1: We found a way to fill a hour without talking about any Mizzou games there, yeah. for the first time in
0: like six months. Yep. And what sucks is we could probably fill two hours if we really wanted to. <laughs> that doesn't suck. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, we're not gonna do it. Yeah. We're, don't, we're, don't we're not. Don't worry. Don't worry. You want to let the folks know where they can find us? Absolutely.
1: Um, you can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can tweet us at Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com.
0: And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore alberto 8 Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week.